Hello and welcome to the unsafe space retreat. I'm kidding. This is not the retreat. Let's start over. <laughs> uh, uh, we're not starting over. Oh, hello and welcome to Cafefi Break on unsafe space where we are streaming. We're not streaming. We're going to be, this is going to be airing on our clips channel because we're currently banned from our regular channel for two weeks. So if you're watching this, you're watching on the clips channel, unless you're watching it after those two weeks and we've uploaded it onto the or you're watching channel. it on odyssey which is where you should be watching it oh keith likes that we should introduce who these people are we should introduce so we're here at in new hampshire for pork fest this is uh i'm your host carrie smith carter laren and we are here today with the unsafe space team the people that you whose faces you may not know but their uh their moderator names you know i'm going to pass the mic around hello i'm beverly You've heard me be talked about a lot on the show, <laughs> so you probably know who I am. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason. I do a lot of the back-end tech support. Hi, I'm Keith. I uh, do some social media stuff and write and uh, going to be doing some episodes. Uh, on YouTube, you might know me as Keith the Hat Guy, but I stopped using that because that's my music channel, so I use Liberty Solutions some. <laughs> Well, yeah, we we just thought since everybody was here, we would do a video together and we could talk about Porkfest. But more importantly, last night over family dinner, I found out that almost none of these guys except Jason have seen the Karen trailer. <laughs> so <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, why don't we just watch that together? Because I think that would be a lot of fun. It's a movie. It would be better if like I didn't tell movie? it would be better if I didn't tell you that, actually. No. Just watch this and tell me what you think All of right. it. OK, yeah, we'll put it up here. Sorry. This is a long way from East Point. Baby, you just gotta give it a chance. <laughs> it already has the music. Neighbors. They're black. Do you mind keeping it down? If you don't comply, I'll tell the manager. Somebody's taking home security serious. Hi! I am Karen Drexler. I'm your neighbor. You need to be taking your trash cans off the curb right when the trash is picked up. <laughs> is she nice? She's nice. Wait a minute. We have a white entitled neighbor named Karen. Karen. Okay, enjoy yourself. There she is slaving away in the kitchen. <laughs> I've come across some very suspecting teenagers. Suspecting? Can you please hurry up? Please, it's either very aggressive. Yep. ID. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone! We didn't do anything! How the heck did you end up moving to this neighborhood? Next thing you know, we have criminals. You take care of him, and I will take care of her. <laughs> Would you mind stepping out of the car? My office has uncovered some disturbing information on her and her brother. She doesn't like black people. We have a search warrant. Well, I'm black. I know, she doesn't like anything. <laughs> 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 what do I do? You can't tell me, huh? We are living next door to a racist. You went in her house? You wouldn't want your wife to know our little secret, right? It's not a standard place for seizure back there. What do we have here? Where you got a hammer? Everything looks like nails. 
You people are very angry. Shut your mouth, boy. Bad things happen to people that don't comply. <laughs> <laughs> I like the last line, bad things happen to people that don't comply, but I feel like it should be about masks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Five years ago, I would have seriously considered that just some parody trailer. Yeah. That, I don't even know what it was. That's, that's the thing is that, so I, when I first saw that, I didn't know what I was watching and I thought I was watching a parody. Yeah, I thought, I would have thought so too. Yeah. Yes. I, I was laughing like, and and I saw people on Twitter afterwards who were saying the same because that's a real movie, that's a real movie that's coming out. What is it on Netflix? Is it really coming out? Yes. And it's a fake trailer. No, it's real. And the yeah. and the and the people on Twitter were right. They, I think they were correct in saying this is funnier than anything SNL has done in years. This this trailer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I actually I don't know why I have the mic. It is a low bar. I know it seems like I always have stuff to say, but I, I don't. <laughs> it, it. I will say something about it. Uh, I don't. That's also just not what a Karen is. Yes. That's just like some non-existent racist white lady, which I'm sure there are some. But Karens are the ladies screaming about your masks at you. Yes. Okay. So here's what the movie would, if it were true to life. This is you're thinking exactly. What, if it were true to life. Karen, that white lady that lived next to them, would be a woke, a wokey white, right. and she would be racist, but she would yeah. be wokey racist. And she'd be and, trying to make them her friends. Yes, so she had black friends. Yes, she would be uncomfortably trying to force friendship on them, like coming over all the time. She would be bragging about how she runs a, an ally group for white allies on Facebook called Courageous Conversations, yeah. where she centers BIPOC voices and yeah. like decenters whiteness. Black people would be like, Can you yeah, leave yeah. Us alone? And, Yes, because it's naturally creepy. Yeah. Yes, and that, and then when they show that really funny part where they show, oh my gosh, she's got hand soap with the Confederate flag on it, and I was like, no, her hand soap would have one of those "In this house, we believe" signs yeah, on it. Exactly. It would say "Black Lives Matter" right there on the hand soap. Or just like a picture of a <laughs> black person printed on it. Yeah. Oh, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And at Christmas time, she would invite them over for a really awkward Kwanzaa party, and she would be dressed in kente cloth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she would be forcing her kids to be friends with the black kids across the street. Yes, <laughs> it would not be. It would, she would be upset if they were. She would be upset if they weren't natural friends. Right. Like she wouldn't be. It would not be this sort of that. That was also one of the funniest parts of movies where the little girl's like, she doesn't like black people, and the woman's like, well, I'm black, and, and the, she doesn't like you. <laughs> They want us to believe that there's like tons of these kind of people running around, but there's not. We don't live in the 1950s and the 1940s anymore. Like this is not the world we live in, but they want to bring it back. They want it to be like this. They're working on making this a reality. But in the meantime, it's just, it's, you can't help but laugh because it's so absurd. It's just absurd. Like it's not, I don't, I don't know. Anybody else? I, I, so I was confused. I was trying to watch it and trying to figure it out. It was funny. But yeah. I think at the end, I kind of thought either at first I was thinking they forgot to check what a Karen was mm -hmm. before making a movie called Karen because I wasn't Karen. But then I was started thinking maybe it's actually a movie made by Karens called Karen. <laughs> like a Karen wrote it. Karen wrote the movie. A Karen wrote the movie and they're trying to redefine Karen. Yeah, they're probably they're definitely trying to redefine Karen. I just find it fascinating that like a movie like that, you know how credits are in movies. There's probably thousands of people involved in making a movie because it's decent production value. it's not great but 
decent production value. I recognize that actress. I don't know where from, but yeah. um, so like you know, they had to pay their actors, and clearly they had some cinematography and camera people and editing. So it's a real movie. Think about the number of people that signed off on this, going like, "This is a good. This is a good idea, guys. This is a great. This is a great movie and totally realistic." When you go to Hollywood, you can present that, and I'll be, "Oh yeah." We'll put five million into that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't understand the pitch maker. for that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, so originally, just to just to clarify something, Karen did originate as this kind of woman. Just so you know, like Karen originated with um, authoritarian, busybody types. Um, often uh, there were these cases where remember the white woman in the park who called the police on the people who were yes. grilling without a permit. So that and and that the Karen was sort of involved in this as this authoritarian busybody type. Right. But over time, the most of the Karens that we culturally have experienced or run into in the past year have been authoritarian busybody types about masks and mask violations and and they're more authoritarians on the left enforcing these idea these rigid ideas of of social interactions and of of what's appropriate and, and trying to trying to control others and trying to control others and so uh others actions and and so yeah i think you're right i think they're missing the mark on you know there's a much more prevalent type of karen right now and it's and there's a much more take Karen out of it just if you're going to do a white racist there's there's a lot of white people falling into racism lately and they're it's on the left it's critical race theory racism it's social justice racism it's that kind of I must treat you differently because you're black it's that that um oh my gosh there's that woman her name is Karen she runs that social justice kind of group uh her her name really is Karen she's a white woman the one I've talked about her before uh she she's the one who has people in her group it's mostly other white women and they and they come in there and they post things like I'm just like wringing their hands like I just don't know what I'm doing wrong I can't make any friends with black women I'm trying <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh you're so creepy like stop like no wonder they don't want to be friends nobody wants to be friends because when you see you're not like looking at a person as an individual and saying hey I'd like to get to know that person you're honing in and you're just skipping over all the white people in the room black woman be my friend like it's so creepy what well, I think that the Karenism is really a symptom of collectivism because uh, Democrats and leftism in general, it's all about, as you said, just treating everyone as a monolithic group, right? Like, and I, like you said, I think that a better, a better movie would have been someone like Maj Tour moving into a nice neighborhood and having this, having a woke lady trying to just creepily befriend him. Yeah. Bringing her casseroles all the time. So this wasn't supposed to be funny. It's unintentional. <laughs> yeah, like many of the things the left does, it's unintentionally yeah. hilarious. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, it reminds me of uh, Todd and I have a friend who, when he was out in Chicago, and, and she was saying how they they had someone bought the house next door, and she's like, "I hope they're not white." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what's more. Uh, it's like yeah. the guy I told you about, and they're very white. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> This white guy who told me I'm he wanted he this white guy came he he was talking to me about moving to Texas from California and moving to Austin. He said, But but you know, they're both both are just too white, you know what I mean? This is a white guy talking about places being too white to a white person. It's just 
amazing. It's just hilarious. It's like you would never say that about like you would never be like it's just too black, you know. <laughs> like I just can't. <laughs> with, like just too Filipino. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, if you reverse that though, and I'm glad I wasn't there because I was like, well, that would make me feel really uncomfortable to just kind of be like, do you think of me as that though too? Am I just like objectified? By, yeah, like, that's the only reason I'm, you're part of the team. Yeah. I just want to clarify. Oh right, right. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for at least admitting it though, because at least with other yeah, jobs. Sure. I never I mean, know. It's clearly, it's not about your work. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Oh, we're just oh. making fun of me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you miss out on a lot of the mocking, mocking Beverly. Sarcasm. Yeah. She's using sarcasm. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's sarcasm. No, it's so, just straight up just It's pretty prevalent. <laughs> Before we move off of this for a second, listen to some of these comments on Netflix. These are, I mean, not on YouTube. These are hilarious. This looks like one of those College Humor SNL parody sketches, LMAO. Yes. This movie is going to be an absolute train wreck, and I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, prediction, Rotten Tomatoes rating, 98% fresh from the critics. <laughs> yes. That'll be, it'll be 1% from the audience and 98% from the critics. That'll, that'll, that'll be dirty. Uh, this low-key looks like something a bunch of college film students would make as a joke. <laughs> uh, and then I'll just read one more. This is proof that Hollywood thinks their viewers are dumb. It reminds me of, I never watched the, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but what was the parody horror movies that they did that there was a whole series? Was oh, it, yeah. uh, well, it wasn't scream. Was it scream? scream. Scary, scary movie. movie. Yeah. It reminded me of that kind of like a, like we're, we're pretending that this is like a real foreboding thing that could really happen, but it's so ridiculous, but we've got the music to really cue the emotions. Um, yeah, I, it's just, an, the other thing is, I, I get that Karen's maybe even started out with some racism, like maybe that was part of the yeah. Karen thing, and maybe it still can be or is, but it's not synonymous with racism. This is just a movie about a woman from 1860 who's been teleported in time to now and happens to live across the street from a pretty normal couple that no one else would really bother to care about is black or white or whatever other color they are. <laughs> yeah, that actually pretty cool. And she would, of course, actually, though, a woman from 1840 who was a racist would join the woke movement. She'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they can't show up on time, can they? <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you for sharing, Carrie. Yeah. I was gonna bring up the Karen that we ran into yesterday. Carrie wasn't there, but I forgot who. Because, as Carrie has told us, the name for a male Karen is Karen. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so Carter and I were we gave a talk. I gave a talk on uh, secession, oh and uh, I was gonna tell Carrie about this, and we didn't get to it last night. So. Um, there was probably 15, 20 people there and I was talking about secession and there was a millennial there and I was thinking, why is it there's a millennial who starts talking about racism? Like, first off, why is it a pork fest? Yeah. Well, there's um, millennials at pork fest. A, a, a racist yeah, right. Karen millennial is what I meant. Oh, oh yeah. You so, meant, yeah, why you did meant a, racist, a little SJW. A little SJW. Yeah. Karen. You could tell because he was, his eyes were, he was like, well, I came in late, so I don't know if something happened between you guys, but- he like I just looked around the table at the people there. It was on a porch, so like people are kind of casual, hanging out. Like his, he was just like his eyes were like bugged out, and he was just like really 
intensely. He had like AOC eyes sitting there listening to you. I can see him from behind. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I, that dude's keyed up about something. What the hell's been Keith been doing? I, I was talking about uh, secession and and that you know this this the uh, war between the states or the uh, as I remember I heard you called it in uh, your high school they called it the war of northern aggression I I was calling it the uh, the war for southern independence a little more mild term but anyway he could not handle that at all and I was saying that the, in 1776 when the founders seceded that was a secession from England. And if you support that, then when Virginia seceded again in 1861, it's the same question, yeah. fundamentally. Whether You mean whether they should be able to secede? Yeah, do they have the right to secede? Regardless of why they did or whatever, can they secede? And so anyway, that's how it started. I don't want to get into all that part. And this is a group where these people are like quoting Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. This is Porkfest. Yeah. And this guy um, actually did know history. And he said he's an anarchist. Yeah. So then I'm starting thinking, what exactly? I wanted them to define it. What is an anarchist millennial SJW? That makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, you could see that there was, he was just gripped with the um, direct, there's a prime directive for a lot of the millennial SJ, or SJWs generally. Yeah. And the prime directive is it must be about race. It must be about race. It must be about, I mean, that's the CRT. You've talked about this, right? It's like, you don't look for if racism occurred, you look for how it occurred, right? So he was incapable of having you say anything remotely defensive of the Confederacy in any way. It was like, but slavery. Yeah, it's like, but slavery. Yeah, the and we're all like, opposed. yes, we all agree the slavery was bad is bad it still exists today everybody agrees slavery is bad right so no one was but but he was like but you're saying something nice about the confederacy or not even nice necessarily just like they have a right to do blah blah, blah but slavery but right? slavery but yeah but slavery but slavery and it was like and no amount of arguing would help because you could point out well keep in mind these were states that supported slavery seceding from a union that supported slavery uh so there was not like a you guys don't like slavery enough. Like, it wasn't like the North turned abolitionist and then the South was like, oh, we're out of here. It was like there, it, there was no. And, there, and, the, the better, there was no better option. There was no yeah. like, oh, these guys are the anti. It was like, OK, so he couldn't hear any of this at all. And he was just no matter what you said. But he, slavery. He he couldn't even handle me finishing a sentence towards the end. Like yeah. like, and I let him talk and talk. I let him have his reign. He made his whole point, uh, and I just patiently waited. And then when I tried to counter it, like soon as I started to say something that I thought was true, like I was saying, well, here's what Abraham Lincoln said. Do you believe what he said? Well, I disagree with that. And like, well, that's what Abraham Lincoln said. Then I read a quote from Tom Woods, like a pretty good. You know, he's an American history professor. He's a historian. He's a show. He's he's good. He was there. Um, he says, well, I disagree with Tom Woods. And I said, well, if you disagree with Tom Woods and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson, I don't really know how to argue with you. Like, you're not well, really and, arguing with me. Yeah, just to be clear, it's not you're not doing like argument from authority. It was he was disagreeing with Lincoln about Lincoln's views on slavery. And it was like, all right, well. Like Lincoln didn't really think what he said. I don't know. Where yeah, he was it was going. like, well, I don't, 
I know he said those things, but I don't believe him about himself. And and in the it's end, like, right, towards we'll... the end, it was. <laughs> and somebody asked me that that left like in the middle of that. They came up to me after and said, "Did you guys get into fisticuffs?" I'm like, no, no, it didn't go yeah. there. He ended but, up leaving. I was disappointed that like he ended up. We finally got past like, okay, let's put the racism slavery issue aside because that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about secession generally, and you know whether you can legally or morally or whatever. And and when once slavery was put aside and the topic became purely about what it was supposed to be about he got up and left he didn't want to talk about that yeah, he, he only wanted yeah. to talk about racism he yeah he did he did yeah. the zombie thing he was like racism racism yeah and that was the only subject yeah and literally everyone there was like yes we all hate slavery so it was a karen so we've been there for a week i've been there since last sunday um there's 2500 people there he's the only karen that i ran into at pork fest like I don't yeah, think that's there was a some common... dysfunction, in, but there was no other Karens. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, when it comes to the Confederacy, the uh, the leftists have a real, real tough time trying to separate the the bad act that was slavery with the the moral act of being independent, and um, <clears throat> what they don't seem to understand or what they gloss over and just forget about is that the the slates the states that succeeded they didn't do so um aggressively they they saw that abraham lincoln got elected on uh november 3rd of whatever year it was i i don't remember but then they peacefully yeeted themselves out and it was about uh it was 11 states i think in the intervening six months before Abraham Lincoln invaded the southern states. And that's why in the south it's called the War of Northern Aggression. Now, you can disagree with their reason for for succeeding uh succeeding, but they did do so peacefully and they just can't grok that. They can't understand that it is it is possible to disagree with people on peaceful terms. Yeah, Keith, one of my favorite points. Sorry, one of my favorite points that Keith makes about secession generally is like secession is not war. Those are two separate things. You secede, and in many times throughout history, nothing happens after that. There's no one decides to bomb you or shoot you or like, that's the end. You seceded, the peaceful separation occurred, it's over. And when we talk about American history, a lot of people conflate secession with, well, that's war. And it's like, no, no, secession happened. Then the the North didn't like it and attacked. The example I've used before, and uh, I think somebody brought it up there, but secession is the same as a marriage. Like if one person decides to leave a marriage, it's generally the contract is dissolved. Like the some, husband doesn't have the right to shoot the wife to keep her in the marriage. Some divorces are peaceful. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's like personal information being oh, no. some divorces are peaceful. It, it is worth no, noting I mean, that my it, divorce was peaceful. I mean, not every divorce. Like, like you're, I'm just agreeing with you that yeah, it's you. They don't all result into acrimonious one person trying to punish the other person and create yeah. start a war with them. They don't all become Betty Broderick. <laughs> and it is worth noting that the uh, the states that. Uh, remove themselves from the union they all did so through their their state legislatures and our country is actually a collection of many countries each state is supposed to be uh its own sovereignty right there was a guy who's actually from austin there um 
he was part of the Texas secession movement. So what do you think of that? And and we'll hook. We'll, oh, I think we'll I put know. You in touch with I was him. just messaging with him. I think or he someone. wanted to meet you. He posted on the Porkfest chat today oh. that he wanted to meet you, and I said, you "Oh are man, coming in today." I think I know which guy you're talking about. Maybe, but um, what do I think? Well, I've I've in the time that we've known each other, Carter and I, I've come further along on. I'm still not 100% convinced that's what we should do, but I am 100% convinced we should be talking about it now. We should be having conversations about secession now. We should be allowed to talk about it without people making fun of it like it's something ridiculous. And because it will stay ridiculous and it will stay silly until we start to have conversations about it and figure out if, if it's actually a, a something I, that is wise to do and is possible. I think the threat of doing it or just having that on the table as an option is is important it's critical actually to keep in the federal government in control and again with the marriage example it's the same thing like if if the husband and wife don't have the authority to just leave like both people know that if this doesn't go well they you're might just leave like if, that's if, the but ultimate. if you know you're stuck with them like that's what a ruins slave. a marriage knowing that like actually i can be the biggest jerk in the world and you can't leave it's like you should probably try and stay amicable and 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 there are a lot of behave in a way where the other person wants to be in a marriage with you. Let's you see a lot of marriages like that. Yeah. And, and the states with the federal government have the same relationship. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Texas guys were interesting. They were, uh, and there was also a Texas presentation on secession. And I use Texas as an example. We got in a discussion of which state is the most likely to secede. Texas, right? Yeah, that's that's clear. Can I, I, speaking I of secession, wait, can Jason stand? Can you stand up? Oh, this and show is the, the camera. These are the shirts we were selling. Uh, we have some leftover shirts, so we'll probably still sell them. But uh, this is our irreconcilable differences shirt. Please give us your money. And the, and the right, two yeah. the two groups here that are splitting up their love relationship are the sheep, which is the sheeple, and yeah. the porcupines, which is what the pork fest is. Yeah, they call them the libertarians. Libertarians, yeah. Uh, they're. They're not necessarily libertarians. Some, a lot of them are libertarians, but porcupines are people that want to be left alone. So it, it's generally, they say like at Porkfest, I mean, there's such a variety of people. Like you see hippies smoking weed and you see professors smoking cigars, quoting Murray Rothbard and arguing about minute aspects of Mises and a Jewish with guy with, with yeah. a, he's got his... <laughs> His, his beanie on and he looks like he perfectly at home in like Soho in New York City, except he's got an AR on the back. Yeah. Um, and, and every other type of person. And there's really just one thing they agree on. Like, don't initiate force against other people and let people live however they want. Like, just leave them alone. Or and that's why they pick them the and don't take their stuff is the like, that's the, the that's how you teach a kid. of that. Yeah. And, and go ahead. They, so they picked the porcupine. So we got the donkey. Right. And the elephant as the symbol. These guys picked the porcupine, which like, is also the, the libertarian quill. party's symbol with is the, the porcupine. Yeah. 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 So there are a lot of libertarian, but there's a lot of anarchists and a few other other ones. I was making a joke because this is my first time at Porkfest hanging out with all the libertarians. And I was making a joke on Twitter with Beverly about how to describe it. And I said, it's like. It's like the Ren Fair meets Coachella meets Burning Man, except in, it's except it's about liberty and pot instead of being about uh, orgies and pot. orgies and music and fantasy and pot. 
and and then people on some guy was like well burning man's not really about orgies i'm like oh, i was trying, trying, trying to make a joke <laughs> I don't know what tense you're in in Burning Man, but they're the wrong one. <laughs> well, I do, I do know that Burning Man can be about some orgies. Although, in fairness, in fairness, Burning Man's more about LSD and orgies. But that's, yeah. One, I, I want to throw this about out about secession. So obviously I've been arguing for secession. And, and the thing that I've been saying for a while is the first state to secede will win. Like, that's the one where a lot of liberty-minded people will go kind of regardless of what it is and and you know i've made arguments for texas and i understand the arguments for new hampshire and that what texas has going against it is it's it's going in the wrong direction politically and new hampshire is basically the only state kind of moving in the right direction politically and i you know hanging out with these these are all so Porkfest. a lot of people are part of the free state project in new hampshire so a lot of them are obviously biased towards new hampshire's the state that needs to secede and uh i was starting to come around to their position until bob murphy made he made a lot of the arguments that i've made and heard about texas so that was all good but he made one additional one that i had not thought of um which i think is actually hugely relevant from a practical perspective which is how will the rest of the country react when this state secedes and a ran if you if it's a random state if ohio secedes or new hampshire secedes let's pick on new hampshire if new hampshire secedes what will average people in the country say? And they'll be like, well, something's wrong. We need to fix that. We're like, what the hell? New Hampshire's not like, right. but if Texas secedes, I think a lot of people are like, oh, we saw that coming, didn't we? <laughs> like, do, do we really want to go to war with Texas? I mean, and we kind of all saw it coming and they're kind of over weird Texans. It's fine. They've done it before. Uh, they kind of have a history. They already think of themselves as separate from the rest of the country. Uh, so I think the, because one of the threats is, whatever state secedes, you could have a Lincoln in in Washington that's like, we need to bomb them, right? And you don't want public support for that. You want you want the rest of the country to kind of be a little bit more laissez-faire and not willing to go murder their neighbors. Um, and I think they're more likely to murder New Hampshire's than they are to like murder Texans. And, and another thing Bob Murphy brought up was a blockade. So Texas, you can't blockade Texas because if they have a established relationship with Mexico, they still have a trade route. New Hampshire has a tiny little coastline uh, and it's mostly inland and it's yeah. small. Texas is also big. Like when they, the Texas guys were talking about if we secede, uh, they brought up the national debt. So you say, what, what about your portion of the debt? And we're saying, well, yeah, we will have to pay our some portion of the national debt. We'll have to work that out. But also keep in mind that we get about a quarter of the U.S. military assets. Like, right. well, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, Texas, I like Texas for the, just for, uh, the history. Texas has already seceded three times that I know of. They seceded, uh, so they have a lot of practice at this. And Texas know how to just do it. has, it never made sense to me when you guys were first telling me about the free state project, why New Hampshire was selected just because it may, it may, this is just a gut or intuition thing. It's, it's sort of, it's surrounded by all this, these other blue states and it's relatively small in size give me one second I'll, I'll let you but it's but it's small in size and and like texas already feels like its own country and there's all this there's all this um at, there's this attitude about around texas where when i first moved there because i'm from the south I'm, I'm from south carolina which we were all we always made jokes our state was the most likely to secede because i think we were the first to secede right during the civil war were we 
I think there's several seceded at the same time, but South Carolina um, was in that first group. It yeah. was it was sort of a joke also because we were not the most likely to succeed in terms of education test scores. I think we were at the bottom all the time, but <laughs> uh, to su- succeed instead succeed of su- yeah, succeed. Yeah, succeed. Um, but anyway, so I'm from South Carolina, but when I moved to Texas, Texas doesn't consider itself part of the South. Texas doesn't consider itself part of the South or the North. It's like there's the North, there's the South, and then there's Texas. <laughs> It's a separate thing already. It, people don't. And even the conservatives there, they and the Republicans I've met in Texas, for the most part, they have a different flavor about them. They are more they're more libertarian than the conservative Republicans I knew in South Carolina. They're more of a libertarian kind of. Somebody said uh, when a Texans in Europe traveling, they say, where are you from? They say, Texas. Yes. I'm a Texan. Um, Bob Murphy brought up that. um or maybe it was a guy yesterday, but somebody brought up that in Texas, in the schools, the, the kids learn a Pledge of Allegiance to the Texas flag. Yeah. That's interesting. I never yeah. heard of that. I grew up in New Jersey. Like, we didn't pledge allegiance. I forget what the New Jersey you flag. Pledge allegiance and to the mob in New Jersey, I'm pretty sure. And there's no such thing as a New Jerseyan. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, there's definitely a Texan. Like, everybody knows what Texan is. I yeah, live in I, Florida. There's a Floridian. There's no such thing as a New Jersey. And no one says that. Right. Bob Murphy was saying that California and Texas are the two states where when people travel abroad, that's how they identify themselves generally, right? Anecdotally, about yeah. 10 years ago, I was in Texas for a few months on some business. And I remember thinking that every commercial, every commercial on TV mentioned Texas. It was weird, man. So they already have uh, like their own national propaganda going for them. <laughs> Yeah, like every car commercial, every hot dog commercial, just everything was Texas. Because it was like American kind of, or, or is that how the, uh, I don't know. Do see us as Texas Why? Or is Texas paying Tex- for it? Well, Texas, the Texas TV that I, because I was in Texas, right? So the Texas TV oh, was, Texas. everything was Texas. Oh. Every commercial. There's there's pride. Yeah, there's pride. There's a lot of pride. And if you in Texas, people buy. It's not uncommon to see everybody has the star that was on the original. So the original Texas state flag before it joined the union is really popular flag. Um, My husband wants to get one frame for our house to fly actually wants to fly one one of the one of the old ones like before it joined and then when it joined the union there's a different Texas flag. But the original one, I think it was blue and it has one big star on it. And you see people put those stars on their houses, on flags, and and um, and yeah. When I've been to some meetings where people do, and everybody knows that I'm not from there originally, so I I don't know it, but everyone knows the Texas pledge, like you said. So in any place where they're doing the pledge of allegiance to the U.S. flag, they also do the Texas pledge, which is honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to the Texas one state under God, one and indivisible. And Texas is the indivisible, not the. The U.S. Yes. one. And I don't like the pledge. I, I don't do the pledge. Um, I, I go to meetings and they want to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, I'm at the final step. I'm trying to decide whether I should leave my hat on because they always say, gentlemen, take your hat on. So that's going to be my last step. Um, but, yeah, I think the Pledge of Allegiance to the to the U.S. one, that's, that's bogus. Like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. No, not doing that. To the United States of America. No. To the republic for which it stands. That's a good line. I'm kind of okay sort of, with that but, one. Yeah. one. To the nation, principles behind the republic for which it stands, maybe. Sure. That's a good. That's yeah. a good addition. And then one nation. No, we're not a nation. That's not what nation means. Like the Iroquis were a nation. Like the United States is not a nation. That's a dumb word to use for us. <laughs> yeah. So no, I ain't saying that line. 
Um, under God, I'm an atheist, so I don't say that line. <laughs> indivisible? No, hell with that. We're not indivisible. <laughs> yeah, if we if should be Florida more wants to leave, yeah. I want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So I used to only say that line. Just, I would just, just say, <laughs> I would stand there, take my hand off, and I'd just, everybody, da 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 da. And I'd say, with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Yeah, yeah that works. You and know, I stopped doing that now. I'm just going to, I think next time I'm going to take my hat off. One of your guy, one of the guys in your talk made a point about, because I don't like the pledge either for the same obvious reasons, um, but he made a point about, you can, you can defend the pledge in just a moment. No, I'm saying. Continue. What's going on? I feel like something's happening over here. What he said was like, it's good to have the kids to have the Texas pledge side by side with the U.S. pledge undermines the uh, authority of the U.S. pledge and teaches them that these pledges are not uh, all encompassing and unilateral. It's not like you've just pledged allegiance to this. Like, we're having you pledge allegiance to a lot of things, so don't take it too seriously, right? The, the other thing, I think it was the same guy who said, uh, I had never heard this before, but he said, in Texas, it is appropriate to fly the Texas flag at the same height as the U.S. flag. So when they fly the two flags in front of a state building, they're both at the same height. And I asked the guy, why isn't the Texas flag above the U.S. flag? Um, I wanted to get a Florida flag for our place. I said, I want to get a Florida flag and a U.S. flag. I want to get a big Florida flag and a little tiny U.S. flag and put the Florida flag on top and a little tiny U.S. flag underneath. And Renata, she's like, no, nah, don't do that on our place. She doesn't want the, the drama. She doesn't, want the, the, she doesn't want me standing out in front of our, our home debating flag etiquette with the neighbors, which I do understand. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, and I said, I said I would explain why I think New Hampshire was selected because <clears throat> I was around, the, I was in the Free State Project before they had a state. I voted for Wyoming. I mean, I was young. I almost bought property here way, way, way back. Um, but I think, I think it's because the, the, one of the main arguments that we're talking about for Texas, like there's, there's a lot of these logistical arguments and that that's all fine. Although New Hampshire people would say, well, we have a deep sea port and we have a tiny, tiny border with Canada. So like those kind of go away. But I, I think there are a bunch, I don't want to say like stereotypical libertarian kind of thing, but like they tend to be more right brained engineering types and the numbers in New Hampshire are very easy to manipulate. It's very small districts and like lots of representatives. And so if you want to change the politics, it's very easy to have people come here, get elected in their little district and like start making a political impact that, uh, that the population was small enough that you could do something with a decent amount of, with only 20,000 people or whatever their goal was. And there was this numbers game that we we're trying to play. And I don't think that they thought about it from a cultural perspective as much as they should have, which is not really how an engineer is going to necessarily think about it. Right. But is the right, it like it is actually super important to think about it that way. Yeah. You could never go take over Texas because there's too many freaking people, mm -hmm. but you don't need to take over Texas. <laughs> like Texas is already down with secession in their blood. You just need to motivate them to secede. And um, I don't think they see the, the I, like, I think they were playing kind of a very analytical numbers game without really looking at the human element of like, how open is the population here to what we want to do? Are we, are we usurping their values and replacing with something else? Or are we just kind of underlying their values and reminding them what their values are to kind of awaken them 
to take the action that we want. So, so 10,000 people, 10,000 people moving to Texas might do the same thing as 10,000 people in New Hampshire, even right. though New Hampshire, the population is 1.5 million. And right. Kerry, they, when they considered states, they considered like Idaho was the other Wyoming, one. Idaho. Wyoming. It came they, down to Wyoming and New Hampshire as the final. They, they two, only yeah. considered small states because they originally started out with 5,000 people. Um, and so they considered a small state because they thought 5,000 people could influence it. And with 1 million, maybe 5,000 can. Back to the 3% thing. Right. Texas is like 30 million, somewhere around there. So, But I, I think you're right. I think it's what happens when you focus on political rather than cultural action. Um, and so they're very, they were very focused on the politics of it and taking over the political apparatus. And I think if you start focusing on culture, you start asking the question of like cultural compatibility. And then New England looks kind of like shouldn't be on your radar for cultural compatibility generally. Like there's, especially in New Hampshire now, there's a lot, but we're yeah. kind of in a bubble also because we've been hanging out with. One should do, do like a one minute thing of what, what the Free State Project is um, for people that don't know. So. Okay, I'll do it. Since you already handed your mic to Kerry. <laughs> um, it, so it was a project, I don't know when it started. You know more about the history dates, but it I was... I don't remember. It was at least 15 years ago when I, when I was involved, maybe longer. I remember you saying when you came here. Um, but anyway, it was an idea that they kind of give up on voting better people in D.C. Um, and I agree on that. I've been voting since uh, 78. It hasn't done anything. I shouldn't have bothered. Um, and I was voting in New Jersey, which doesn't help. But mostly, uh, except for seven years in Maryland, which is in D.C., which is actually worse. Um, anyway, the Free State Project was a bunch of people that said, we're just going to try to fix one state and we're going to have people sign up. When we get to 5000 people, we're going to move there. We're going to pledge to move. And that's when they really kicked off. Then they had a vote. They picked a state and they purposely picked a small state. Um, and New Hampshire does have some freedom things. It, it does have a culture of freedom, especially in the northern part. Uh, it does have some resources. The southern, the, you know, the, the southern area around Boston has a big tech hub. So it's not a totally, you know, woods culture, but it's freedom. Like, at, you know, it, it takes a little getting used to all the people walking around open carry, but like pork fest, all kind of people walking around open carry. Like they say, the um, security is us here. Like, there's no need to call the cops or have cops. They don't want the cops in there. Yeah. They don't want the health department in there. Like some people are selling all kinds of food and all, actually all kinds of all kinds of things. <laughs> um, they don't want anybody from the government in there. The um, organizers of Porkfest advise that you just put out of the country in your auto answer. Like Porkfest is not considered inside the United States. Yeah. But New Hampshire's pretty good culture of freedom. Leave me alone. Um, we stopped at the grocery store on our first day in and, um, we're, you know, I live in Florida, 2 million people have concealed carry permits. So there's guns, but we're just like staying at a grocery store and, and two guys are in, you know, b behind a truck, like they just finished their shopping. And the one guy's got a big 45 in his back pocket, you know, and yeah. people are just walking in and out. Like they got that culture, um, income taxes are good. They're good on that. So New Hampshire has a bunch of things going for it, but I think small was the big reason. Yeah, but they but what it doesn't have is the culture of separateness from America, right? It doesn't have the the Texan like we're different. And, and um, even the New Hampshire people recognize that Texas is more likely to be first. Yeah, the New Hampshire exit people say that. Yeah, yeah, and they do have great gun laws. There's constitutional carry here now, and they and the, and it looks like the libertarians that moved here or the 
Free State Project people that moved here or like have made progress. So I just want to say that Porkfest was a blast and it was everything that last year's Chaz wished it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. So Texas, I'd like to get back to Texas for a second. Here's something <laughs> that you're flying out today. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so this is there's a there's a piece that Thomas St. Thomas wrote for Unsafe Space uh, Medium account. Okay. How do you say that word? Uh, Xerxes. Xerxes. I've never seen that Xerxes. movie about Xerxes. What's anyway? He's it's called Biden and Xerxes just don't get it. And in it, he's talking about uh, how President Biden just recently said uh, that Americans, I guess, don't need guns because the government can bomb our asses. <laughs> like when he said, he said, we don't need it was, it was kind of a somebody on Twitter pointed out this actually roundabout way of making a really good case for the Second Amendment, because you just said that our own government could take us out if it wants to. <laughs> so and, and he said and he specifically said like F-14s and F-15s yeah. and Hellcat missiles and, and nukes and nukes. And nukes. Yeah. So it's a powerful argument for personal ownership of battlefield nukes. Yeah, here's the quote. I'm going to read this from Thomas St. Thomas's. You guys can find this piece if you go to unsafespace.com and and there's a place on there to see our medium articles. So it's he says, here's the quote. Well, the tree of liberty is not the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you want, if you think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. This is what the President Biden said. So... Thomas St. Thomas says, I'm not even going to go into how incoherent that was or how many men in flip-flops with AK-47s have kicked out the U.S., have kicked the U.S. out of their countries. I couldn't help but think of the Greco-Persian War and the folly of Xerxes. This is the war that involved the famous battle. That's the most Thomas St. Thomas message, by the way. What? <laughs> I couldn't help but think of Xerxes. <laughs> of course you couldn't, Thomas. Okay. But most of us could not, you know, we could have helped Thomas. About that. <laughs> so he's talking about the movie 300, which I haven't seen. I know it's kind of old now, but I still haven't seen that movie. I need to watch it. So he's talking about it and he's talking about the Greeks and the Persians fighting and how the Persians and Xerxes, they just couldn't comprehend the Greeks, they couldn't comprehend that the Greeks had something worth fighting for that, that numbers and doing the math and, and the idea that they may not have the numbers to win just wouldn't occur to them and wouldn't deter them. And so he says, there's even an incident where Persian forces capture Greek spies and they bring them to Xerxes for execution. To their surprise, he demands that they're let go. He believes that when they take the, the news of the size of their forces back to the Greek commanders, that the Greeks will bend the knee and not bother fighting. Again, he's wrong. And so he's talking about men having something to fight for. And he goes, all throughout history, Xerxes and the Persian commanders are repeatedly shocked at what Greeks will do for a principle as opposed to the Persian forces driven by the lash at their backs. Because the Persian forces, a lot of them were slaves who were being forced to fight. So he says they had no concept of what free men will do to retain the freedom that they've tasted. That's what President Biden and many others who've used this type of argument still today do not understand. Uh, And then he has a quote, good grief, Maradonius, what kind of men did you lead us here to fight who compete not for money, but for excellence alone? A Persian commander. This was a Persian commander upon hearing that the Olympic Games in uh, champions in Greece were not paid when they won. So he's talking about this sort of I just love this idea of like 
men who have something to fight for. And he says, uh, last, last part I'll read, he says, there are people in this world, more per capita in the United States, that have tasted this liberty and they have it now sewn up deeply in their souls directly from the intellectual history of these same Greeks. The choice to fight for the maintenance of that inalienable human right is not based on winning, but based on something that these detractors do not possess, principle. People who operate from principles do not simply do what is instantly pragmatic. They do what is right, not just in the moment, but what is right across time and transcends something as fleeting as their own lives. There is a type of faith born out of the empirical review of history that serving those principles will work out better for all, even if we do not see that benefit in the moment. And I'm, and, and I'm reading this because there's this famous letter that William B. Travis wrote at the Alamo. Do you guys know that letter? This is the spirit of Texas. What he's talking about in the veins of America, it's it's deeply in the veins, I think, of of Texans. Um, This letter, he's writing this from the Alamo where they were so outnumbered and he sends it out and he says to the people of Texas. And all Americans. <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's a separate group. Yes. <laughs> to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, fellow citizens and compatriots, I am besieged by a thousand or more of the Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continual bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrison are to be put to the sword if the fort is taken. I have answered the demand with a cannon shot and our flag will still waves proudly from the walls i shall never surrender nor retreat then i call on you in the name of liberty of patriotism and of everything dear to the american character to come to our aid with all dispatch the enemy is receiving reinforcements daily and will no doubt increase to three or four thousand in four or five days if this call is neglected i am determined to sustain sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country victory or death william barrett travis and then he goes p.s the Lord is on our side. When the enemy appeared in sight, we had not three bushels of corn, but we have since found a deserted in deserted houses, 80 or 90 bushels and got into the walls, 20 or 30 head of beeves. Travis, <laughs> but so that letter attitude. gives me chills. That's the attitude yeah. of, of a text. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and the, I would argue the, that's actually the attitude of the founding fathers. It's exactly that's the American attitude. attitude. Biden probably doesn't know or doesn't remember, but, you know, in 1775 through 81, during the the American War for Independence, it was a bunch of farmers with like muskets and Kentucky long rifles, and they kicked butt on the biggest army in the world. Like the English Navy, English Navy was the biggest force in the world, the army. Um, They're well-trained, well-equipped, and they kicked them out. And he's also wrong. There's so many other examples. All he has to do is look around. Like he's he's the one that's abandoning Afghanistan and Iraq. Like, does he remember the U.S. Army tried to run that place for 20 years and they eventually gave up to the Taliban? A bunch of guys with AK-47s. Yeah. Vietnam. We lost the only there. risk, though, here, and so this is, it's not about how many guns we have, and it's not about like it's it's not about that kind of stuff. It's it's about whether or not we have the attitude of those Texans yes. or the Afghanis who, or the North Vietnamese who were like, we're not leaving. 
We're not stopping. We're not leaving. There's no, we we might die. There's nothing we're going to do. And granted, I don't want to like. I'm not trying to compare the Taliban to the the guys in the Alamo, except that they were fighting for something bigger than themselves. That was a principle that they believed in. And like, in. Yeah. yes, their principle is hor- abhorrent and wrong. But that's what that's what kept them going. That's what sustains you. And I, you know. I think the biggest risk is our American, the Americans that would fight, are they actually fighting on that principle or are they just kind of pragmatically, let's do a show of force and hope we don't get attacked. And if we do, we'll have to like, you know, give up. Well, America was founded on the very concept of BTFO. And I think that if you have a government that is actively threatening you, as we've seen time and time again, uh, recently, Throughout, even while Trump was still in office, there were still some Democrat strongholds that were actively cracking down on uh, gun rights and things like that. Um, <clears throat> you need to buy guns and ammo to constitutionally protect you and your loved ones. And if you if you're confused if as to if you need more, then you need to buy more. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's to me, it's like doesn't necessarily come down to that. It's like. I, I had this conversation with um, Karen Ann uh, Harlos, and she, she was saying, like, the way that America... So, a lot of times we used to say, like, oh, people will fight. They won't let them take the guns, right? There's plenty of people who won't let you take their guns. And she said, I, I thought that. And then 2020 happened. And, you know, we let them take our oxygen... Like a lot of people are just like, may I please put another mask on for you? How can I comply? And that's the concern that there's, are there enough people who are like, screw you, I'm, I'm going to You, you see a lot of people with the, uh, you know, come and take it sign or uh, they say the U.S. military would never, you know, bomb Texas. Like, you know, if, if Joe Biden was like Lincoln and today and Texas seceded, he would send bombers to bomb Austin, right? Like that's how it would happen. And people say, oh, US pilots wouldn't do that. And like some wouldn't, but some probably will. The military works for the government. Like they're okay with bombing weddings in Yemen. Like it's not that big of a step, even though it's different people. Um, Another example I'll bring up, you know, people say, okay, if the cops come door to door to take your weapons, and a lot of Americans say, no, it could never happen. But here's a story about what happened in South Africa. Like, that's what they did, and they were successful. So the problem is, once you get the police on board, and uh, I mean, I'm not a back the blue. The cops, if you get all the cops, and then you start using the military to go around and confiscate weapons, even in America, it might be harder than some of these come and take it guys have on their trucks, they really think. I I, um, I just want to say something you said about you know, thinking that there would be enough people in America who would stand up for their rights, who wouldn't allow a tyrannical our government, if it becomes corrupt and tyrannical, to take away our Second Amendment freedoms and to take confiscate guns and stuff. And then, you know, your friend pointing out, but look at 2020, look at everything we allowed. I say we collectively, I know there's always people in my comments who are like, not me. It's like, I'm talking about we as a people. We allowed this. I, I know you may have objected in your way. I objected in my way. But we as a people, Americans, we let this happen. 
We let them shut down businesses. We let them put grandmothers like Lisa. What's her last name? In uh, Lisa Hansen. We let them put her in jail, arrest her for operating her business after having complied for almost a year, by the way, finally said, I'm going to lose my business, have to open up, arrest her for trying to provide for her family. We let that happen and we let them force these mask mandates on us, which are unconstitutional. The lockdown's unconstitutional. Um, And so I think part of what's happening with this vaccine push that's going on, I think that they really want to see how much, and I think this is just part of it, but I want to see how, I think they want to see how many people they have control over. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. and they're and they're really the creepy propaganda now that's aimed at at all the rest of us who haven't gotten the vaccine um, is over the top because they're I think they're trying to see well okay if we know that we can get sixty percent of the population to do whatever we want um, how do we reach the remaining forty percent now let's do a bunch of different if we give them money will it work if we give them free beer and hot dogs like their homer simpson will it work broadway how musical broadway musical songs all these different uh, creepy like get in the fan kid take the vaccine kid and i really yeah, think wish. yeah oh we yeah. just saw this we can talk about that in a second but but they i think that they were trying to see what measures it takes to get the most number of people to just surrender and and surrender their autonomy to the government and just and just comply with whatever the government wants and and that's a scrimmage yeah they're 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 preparing for when we need to do this for something more important what works what tactics work like oh this tactic did work this tactic didn't work this works with this demographic this works with that demographic like and they know they're not going to get rid of all of them but they can minimize the number of, of resistors, and that's what they're trying to figure out. How These to vaccine it. perks are medical discrimination. Now, it's a positive discrimination for those who are getting the actual vaccine, but it's still a discrimination. And one of the most depraved things that we've seen about uh, that we have seen come out of it is the uh, the preying on addiction to ensure indoctrination, such as uh, offering beers and lotteries and weed. These are things that are not signs that people want to help you. I might, if Carter asked me to come help him move for a beer, I might accept, right? But if my government's saying, hey, do this and I'll get you a beer, that is wrong. And I think that people need to stand up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree to you. But but to your point about this being a scrimmage, that's what I'm, I'm... I can't see what's down the road, but when they're ready to force something else or to say, we're going to take this other thing away from you that we are constitutionally not allowed to take away, but we know that we're going to have 60% of you who go along with it. And we know that if we do these other things that we might be able to get this percentage of you, the hesitant ones and this person, like this is all just, they're, they're, they're getting data. They're learning what, what it takes to, to get people to comply and to be farm animals, like you've talked about. Yeah. I... Take the vaccine or not. I don't care. None of us here care. We do care about the mandates. Yeah, of course. And by the way, I was, as a side note, I was very impressed when, was it Dave Smith? Someone said, how many people here are not, not taking the vaccine? Yeah, he said he's not getting it. And it was a packed, it was a packed place. Five, I, I thought it would be like, maybe half the people would raise their hand. 
almost everyone raised almost their hand. Almost everyone. Yeah. Wow. They're not getting hundreds vaccine. And hundreds and yeah. Hundreds. So if we're all dead in yeah. two weeks, you'll yeah. know. <laughs> They're like, no way. I, I want to come back to something you said, though, because, like, yes, it is our fault. Yeah. Right? I'm not, you know, I don't actually feel blamed for it because I no, have been fighting no. for it for 20 years or whatever. But right. I, it is our fault. You can blame me. But, yeah, I blame <laughs> Beverly. It's mostly Beverly's fault. Um, but I, I want to, every time... There have been people, and, and and they they sound crazy when they say this, and I'm sometimes one of those people, when they make these statements like, this is the direction we're going. And everyone kind of says, oh, pshaw, that's not right in front of my face, so I can't see it, and that sounds hyperbolic. And you can make comments like, "Where I don't know where we're going. Well, boxcars. Well, that's a little bit crazy. Will it actually be boxcars? I don't know. But the, the problem is not that we let them take – I mean, it is a problem that we let them tell us about mask, mask mandates – but we should have been listening decades ago when people were telling us that the government should raise our children. That Alex That's... Jones tip jar is really full. What? That Alex Jones was right. Tip jar is really full right now. Yeah. I mean, and it hasn't been just him and it predates probably, I mean, probably mm-hmm. before we were born, people were saying that. Right. And, and, and no one listened because it was convenient to have the government take over schools and, we let this happen, and the 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 problem is the consequences to really really horrific decisions are often not even felt by that generation. Yeah. They are felt generations later, yeah. and so the guy who's standing up in in nineteen hundred saying this progressivism sucks and it's going in a really bad direction, we shouldn't do it. Everyone's like, "Oh, Peshaw, you're an idiot. It's hyperbolic." Blah blah blah. They vote in Woodrow Wilson. Like things start to happen and then they're dead by the time our mask mandates are kicking in and we're all walking around like we're, you know, the bad guys in a video game with our masks on like this. They're dead. They're dead and gone. They probably died thinking those idiots. They were always idiots. Nothing ever happened. It was fine. And it's because the consequences are way too long term. And unless we start thinking about what this does 100 years from now. We're going to continue making really, really bad decisions over and over and over again. How many times can we get you to say Peshaw? Can you do it like really? Peshaw. <laughs> do it like really, really aggressively now. <laughs> if that was aggressive. No, no, that wasn't that aggressive. Was even, no. Oh, sorry. This is um, thinking about the unknown and, and what this is going to do for future generations. This is that question they don't like us asking that we should have been asking from the very beginning. And I'm just now starting to see the legacy media start to turn on this. They didn't let us ask this for over a year. And now they're starting to be like, huh, I wonder if there's a psychological, a negative psychological impact to forcing masks on children and, and everyone. Like, I wonder what it, yeah, I wonder what it does to little kids to see human beings wearing masks everywhere they go in public. And we weren't allowed to ask that question. And, and the, been bad. yeah, we're not allowed to ask been. until after they've already been, they've already Already been subjected to it and now the media is like oh wow it looks like there might be some bad psychological effects for kids to lock down the whole country and take them out of school and and make them think that they have to be afraid of their fellow man yeah and the solution will be hey the government did this you weren't allowed to ask questions now in retrospect hey looks like maybe there's some problems I bet the government could help fix these problems, right, Carrie? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I have I have one other quick just anecdote. I know I'm hogging the mic for but oh my goodness. So I just talked to someone a couple of you heard this. I don't think you heard this. I just talked to someone in, in my life who I haven't talked to in a while. This in the past few days and this person is so in the 
the cathedral echo chamber and oh my gosh how do i say this okay so so she was saying to me you know uh when pointing out that that the Washington Post, for example, that we can't trust the media, for example, and she's like, "But I use critical reason. I use critical thinking skills, and I only, I only, yes. I only watch the unbiased news, like the BBC and NPR and CNN." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, okay. I'm, I realize like we're coming at this from such different angles. If you think those are unbiased, I don't even know where can we start, right?" But so I was pointing out something about bias. I'm like, "You th- really think that these legacy media sites are unbiased? These corporate sites are unbiased?" And I, I'm like, "Look at the Washington Post. Like the Washington Post is going back and secretly editing headlines from over 15 months ago so that they can hide the fact that they were part. They were part of the smear campaign that was trying to tell us that the Wuhan origins lab story was a conspiracy theory and now now that they're admitting that it's very likely it came from the Wuhan lab now they're going back and they're trying to edit headlines like Winston Smith in 1984 so that we don't see that they were pushing the idea that it was a conspiracy theory and do you know what she said she said well th- well that's what we all thought back then was that it was a conspiracy that's what we all thought and I was like no 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 that's what you thought because that you were watching the legacy media and that's what they told you to think. And, and, and furthermore, do you believe the government thought that? Do you believe the media thought that? Well, yeah, the government's here to help us. No, <laughs> I don't know. The government didn't think that. It, like, it, it's not, it's not somebody that's thinking because somebody that's thinking when the virus first came out would say, well, this is interesting. This virus originated in Wuhan. And in Wuhan, there's a virology lab and there's a research program funded by the U.S. government, partially, that is doing gain-of-function research on viruses from bats, coronaviruses on bats to make them more effective in humans, more more contagious to humans. Now, that's interesting. Like, you say you believe in coincidences. Like, that's kind of funny. The world's a pretty big place. Yeah. How come the the one place in the world where they're working on coronaviruses from bats to make them more effective in humans is in Wuhan, China? And, oh, no, it came from a bat that flew. Oh, and by the way, the bats live 300 miles away in these right. caves. And the bat flew and infected somebody in a wet market. Like, a thinking person would say, that's interesting. We should ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing that actually John Stewart got right recently, if anyone saw that. He was on Stephen Colbert and he basically said the same thing. And he was like, here we are. It's this Wuhan Virology Institute with, you know, gain of function coronavirus research. And and the narrative is, well, like a bat bit this one animal and then the other animal came to the fish, the, the wet market and then it had licked another animal and then got in the burger. And like, oh, like uh, that's probably how it happened. Right. It was, I was like, really? I. That's the most plausible. We're not allowed to look at the fucking lab named the virology institute doing the yeah. Yeah, that's the conspiracy. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're the crazy the one. Where, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. We the the we all believe this thing. It reminds me of just like well, we're all racist, right? So we all are white supremacists. So it's just kind of the projecting of like, okay, yeah. well, I don't want to feel bad because I'm an idiot, so I'm just gonna say that we all are doing yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I, one thing that I, I mentioned before that you showed me. Um, or maybe I saw it last night and you showed me again this morning, uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. This is, they, so they talk about how they care about kids. Now they're pretending to care about the site. This just a reminder. Carrie just said they were pretending to care about the psychology of children, right? Like, oh, what if, it, what if the masks are, okay. So here's what the Make-A-Wish, the Make-A-Wish Foundation is now saying, if a child 
or anyone in their sphere involved in that child's life that would be part of this isn't vaccinated, they don't get their Make-A-Wish. So this is a child on a death, like imagine a, a little kid with leukemia with a brother, a couple brothers maybe, and mom and dad and grandma. Terminally ill, they're going to die. Their, their wishes, they want to go to Disney World or whatever it is. I don't, whatever. Their wishes, they want to go somewhere. And, and you know, mom's not vaccinated. <laughs> Can't go. Or Can't any go. other kids that are, would be part of their wish. Everybody, right. so th- make a wish. Yeah, they say the kids must be fully vaccinated. Their entire family must be fully vaccinated. Any other kids who would be part of the wish have to be fully yeah. vaccinated. Otherwise, they can die without their wish. Yeah. Like that's what Make-A-Wish Foundation Fuck saying. them. Yeah. <laughs> that's Make-A-Wish Foundation is changing their slogan to fuck the kids. And, and we were talking about what that does to the mindset of the kids. I want to tell a little story I heard yesterday from somebody, that Rebecca. So she was a teacher in a school that did kindergarten through third grade, early elementary education, master's degree from Columbia. Good teacher. Uh, she left her school. But when Trump won, they had to bring in professional grief counselors to counsel kindergartners. No, they did So I started thinking, <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> they did. Good point, Carter. I'm really sorry to use that word. But what what did the school or the parents or who like? How do you get kindergarten through third graders to need to want counseling or maybe they didn't need any? Maybe the counselors were the ones who were making them scared of Trump. When my so we were homeschooling my daughter and we sent her to a private school like this past year as a test because see if she wanted to go to a school, and she was entering sixth grade. And one of the very first things they did in the first week of six, I think it was like English class or something. They had to write a, an essay about the worst day of their lives, I think. Um, and one of the kids, it was the day Trump got elected. That was the worst day of his life. <laughs> and she was like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> like, I, she was like, is this what school's like? I'm like, yeah. Kids shouldn't be involved in politics. I don't think that they should ever be at like political events. And even, even for people like I... I personally enjoyed the antics of Trump and I liked his rallies, but I don't think that kids should be at those rallies. I don't think they should be at Democrat rallies. And I think that it is a really, it's a really bad sign that so many people are involving their children at such a young age with heavy politics. I, I don't know if I agree that they shouldn't, that they shouldn't be at rallies, but I do agree that they shouldn't be involving them in weighty, especially emotional, especially parents who get emotional about politics. Like, why are you sharing that with your child? All these, all these leftists who post stuff on Twitter about like, you know, my four-year-old cried today because blah, blah, blah. It's like, your kid wouldn't be doing that if it weren't for you. Who's putting that crap in their heads? The ones who are like, my daughter, you know, came home and cried today and told me the patriarchy's evil. How does your four-year-old know the word patriarchy? What is wrong with you? P is for patriarchy. <laughs> but, well, violence tends to break out at political rallies more right. than any other place in modern America. And on top of that, it's it's a sort of indoctrination camp. Now to be sure, there are some politics that I think are way better than others, and you should teach them in a sort of transparent manner, but you shouldn't have them have them up front in the children's face. No. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I well, I also, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think that these, I may have lost my train of thought. Uh, really? No, uh, no, it was <laughs> about, about, about the emotions and the, pol- okay, for example, 
I tend to think things are heading in a pretty crazy direction right now. We we all agree. No. Are, yeah, like uh, <laughs> we're heading into. We are already. We're we're already in the authoritarian dystopia, right? We're already there. But if I had kids. I would hope that I don't instill them with a sense of hysteria about that and that I protect them from that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, I mean, as a parent, I just want to say this, like I haven't, I don't, and I can't imagine a parent would do this, but I guess most parents do like there's not right and wrong in politics in my house at all. They're like, I don't, I mean, I, I have my opinions, but it's, I've, I'm always very careful to be like, well, I think this, these are the facts that I know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and she's got grandparents who are not <laughs> on my side, uh, like very different. And I'm always very careful to say like, go ask your grandparents about what they think about this and get their information. Like, like I don't, you don't, you're not expected to have a political opinion. In fact, you're kind of expected to not have a political opinion because you don't have information and context if you decide to have opinion about something that's fine but like your job right now should just be to learn here's what your dad thinks and why go ask what other people think and why and like if you want to talk about it at the dinner table that's fine but it's not like no no matter what side you are are on you shouldn't be telling your kid like trump is the best person definitely or like you should or, or biden's if it doesn't matter that's not because that's actually not thinking that's that's how you indoctrinate people. That's just like mm-hmm. these are the conclusions that you should have. Well, what they're going to learn from that, like subconsciously, is that conclusions are things handed down from authority figures. That's not what conclusions are. Conclusions are something that rises up from within you. And so if that's what you want a conclusion to be, you just spread some seed around and tell them to go find some other seed and like let them those conclusions rise up and don't be concerned about if they come up with a conclusion that's different from yours at some point, like if that's true, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you should hear them out. And if you're not, you should at least be able to give them reasons why you're right. And like, that's not. But most, most parents teach their kids. Most parents are teaching their kids about authority to follow authority. So Fauci's the authority, the government's authority, the school board's the authority, the parents are the authority. Even like a little thing like the mass mandates, like what does it do to the mind of your children when your school board votes to mandate masks and you have to wear a mask? What that's teaching your kids is that the school board is a higher authority to the parents. Like, do you really want your parents to come out of this year, last year, you want your children, I mean, to, to think that the school board is more powerful than mom and dad? Like they can decide. And that's what most people are teaching their, taught their kids last year. They're, they're, you're exactly right. They're teaching them. Okay. So they're indoctrinating their kids. These, the, a lot of these leftists, the same way that they're being indoctrinated by the media. And they're, they're just, they're just taking exactly what's being done to them and they're doing it to their kids. My, this person I talked about who recently had the conversation with was also texting me stuff like, uh, Trump belongs in prison. And I said, okay, why? And then she said, because he's the great biggest threat our democracy's ever seen. And I said, why? And she said, well, if you don't already know why, I don't have time to go into it. No, you don't know why. Like, she's, you don't know why. <laughs> there's only there's only two possibilities. She's, I don't believe the time one, that's bogus, right? She's either intellectually cap- incapable of presenting it or she doesn't know. She doesn't know. And and it's more more probable that she doesn't know. She doesn't have a spoon. 
<laughs> she doesn't know and 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 they're it's it's they're being treated like they're comfortable for some reason they're comfortable being treated like children by the cathedral by the media by the political parties and and they're comfortable being treated like children and being told what to think and then they're doing that to their kids and and yeah sorry. <laughs> it, it's because they were never they never grew up because they weren't parented and schooled properly yeah. when you teach your kid that the authority figure always has the answer they never grow up my daughter should at some point come to conclusions that are not mine and we should have a disagreement and if she doesn't i've failed something's wrong right like she should she should get like if she's only going to just agree with me all the time because i'm the authority figure or her mom is or whatever then we failed or the teacher is but i think the reason that grown-ups are looking to authority figures is they were never raised to cultivate their personal responsibility to make those decisions for themselves. They, when you're raised under authority, what, just cause you turn 18 doesn't mean you magically, now you got your shit together. You just, well, I moved out of the house. Mom and dad aren't there to be my authority figure anymore. Is there another one that will step up? Yes. And it turns out, yeah, there's a lot of other authority figures who will step up. If that's how you want to live your life, you can do it. There's lots of people who want to tell you what to do. Lots of them. And and it stays in its generation. So if you teach your kids that, yes. it just keeps going and keeps going. It's hard to get out of that. And the mindset of somebody that reaches age 21 or 18 or whatever, that always live like that. Okay, the school board's important. The government's important. Fauci's important. Like, that's who you listen to. The, the example you brought up, it it's it i i just think that woman probably doesn't even understand the question like no and 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 she and you're exactly right hasn't grown up and i and i'm not going to exclude myself from this this was me this was me until around 2016 and and this woman is in her 40s okay and hasn't grown up but i was i didn't start growing up until what how old is it like 36 or something it took me a long time um, and, and I used to get my opinions that way, received opinions where it's like, that is a received opinion. Trump belongs in prison. Why? He's the greatest threat to democracy. Why? I have no answer. I have no answer. That's not, you know why you don't have an answer? Because that's not your opinion. She's presented the whole argument already. Yeah, there is. You don't have any reasons. You don't have any argumentation because that's not your opinion. You're not even speaking your own opinions. You're so disconnected from who you are and from your own mind. And you're not using critical thinking skills. And I used to be you. I know exactly what you're doing. You're reading all this stuff and you feel intellectually superior and you look down your nose at people. And you're like, I'm, I read NPR and the BBC. I get the, un, I get the uh, unbiased news and, uh, yeah, and I know everything. And I'm, I know that Trump belongs in prison. I can't explain why, but, uh, you know, <laughs> like, like, I'm kind of reminded of, uh, a few months ago when, when you were, it was just after Trump got banned on Twitter and you were speaking about the dangers of Twitter being able to ban world leaders, especially a sitting president. And you got bombarded by leftist trolls that were just incapable of distinguishing that you weren't actually talking about Trump in that instance. No. Right. Anyone. Right. There was there was no critical thinking whatsoever going on. No. Any president. If right. he can be banned, any if he can be banned, any president can be banned. And if and if any president can be banned from Twitter, any of us can be banned. 
Did the people not understand that? <laughs> what? We have been banned. Oh, we have been banned. Oh, by the way, update. Uh, I didn't know this, but Unsafe Space, we did get an answer to our appeal, and they said we can't, they, we are permanently banned, that they are not letting us come back. And on they top said, of. They said, they said basically, don't bother filing another appeal. We're not reading it. That was what it said. That's what Twitter said to us. Um, and then this week, two days ago, uh, as Hill versus Babyface yeah. was permanently banned by Twitter for quoting a line from Game of Thrones, permanently banned. If you want to, if you want to hear the whole story, you can go to his channel on YouTube. He's still on YouTube and Instagram. Permanently banned, and then Gary from Nerdrotics caught a seven-day ban just for telling people what happened to As. <laughs> <laughs> We we have to wrap up soon because we've got to get it in our cars. But I do, I want to make one more point about your um uh, about the authority figure thing. The, the what ha the other thing that happens um so you get these adults that want a, an authority to tell them you know what's my opinion right like what what's the right thing. The other thing that happens is there's a certain percentage of the population who are psychopathic narcissists. And when they see that that's how society is run, when they see that that's the power structure, like that's the dynamic at play, it's an incentive. It's it's a it's like a candy store. They're like, oh, there are positions in society where I can be the boss of everyone. That's my ass. Like that's my life goal. That's where I'm going. If you're in a society full of like, if you, the Libertarian Conference, yeah, no, the Libertarian Conference, like. It's really weird because I basically no one can really be the leader because no one listens to anyone else. Like everyone is just I gave a talk and one of the guys at the end was like, so are you telling people to do blah, blah, blah? I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I wouldn't tell anyone to do anything. You do what you want to do. I'm just yeah. giving you some facts about some stuff. But like the, the, the community of, of people operating on their own convictions, not looking for authority, does not cultivate narcissistic psychopaths who are trying to control you but our society does that's how you get and the worst of the worst rise to the top because when you when it's a competition between narcissistic thugs the biggest narcissist and the biggest thug wins that's how you end up with stalin and those kind of people in history because that's the dynamic set up and so the worst guy wins so can we go around at the i know we're close to the end can we just go around really quickly and say what your favorite thing about pork fest was unless you have one more thing to do before that um, I'll say one that's on the topic. It's kind of a, a an encouraging good note. Uh, there's a lot of children. A lot of people bring their children to Porkfest, and just look in general. These kids look like they'll all be responsible kids because you notice how many young kids there were walking around by themselves or with a couple other kids. Do you, you know, I, I look at that and I think like in a regular family campground, like no way, and all these people are walking around with guns. And hippies smoking weed and people arguing. And yet there's like a whole bunch of six-year-olds off by themselves. And uh, one thing I noticed, I said something to her. But, but like we're coming down, there's these little lanes between all the campgrounds. And I come down and there's this little girl. She must, I don't know, three, four. And she's walking down. So I like come to a stop thinking, you know, be careful with three-year-old, like the school bus stop thing. Now, this girl's like, she comes up and she notices probably no cars going by in 20 minutes. And you know, she's noticed she stops like, like that's a girl that probably won't be killed if the 
you didn't have the school bus rule where where we we train the children to walk out in the street in front of cars and not even bother to look. So I was encouraged by that all the kids at Porkfest. I think that one of the coolest things about Porkfest was getting to meet uh, a lot of really interesting characters and we built some really good connections uh, for unsafe space there at Porkfest. All righty. Um, You've the, literally uh, been doing nothing but sitting there. You I have was, to be no, I was thinking. <laughs> first, my first thought was food, and then, but then I thought that's not deep enough. Um, but then I'm stuck on food, and no, I think it, it's just been nice to to be in a. Although I don't really like being with lots of people around, it was like, oh, it's okay though. Like, like these are. It's different than being in Chicago when you're surrounded by our friends are all socialists. So then it was different here. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just in the middle of a lot of wrong thinkers. But I guess it's not specific to Porkfest, but it's just been really nice to hang out with the Unsafe Space team in real life, too, though. And despite Carter telling me to shut up and and F off and stuff many, many times, (laughs) uh, maybe more because of that, actually. So and and anything else that you've been saying, too. But we won't get into that. Yeah, let's just... Follow that. Send that complaint to HR. Um, do you want to go last? It seems like you wanted to go no, last. No, I thought no, we okay. were going to go boom. Me too, Never but mind. then he handed me the mic. So I thought you had a plan. I really enjoyed that they brought together all, it brings together all different kinds of people, like you pointed out to me several times. I, I love that when there's just, everybody's marching to the beat of their own drum and we're trying to corral them all into, it's like herding cats at a libertarian festival. You know, there's the guys with the open carry guys and there's the bongo drums guys and the pot guys and the velvet pants guys and you know all the different types of people which is cool i really liked at the end of my lecture the end of my talk meeting uh lily for liberty you guys can find her on facebook it's with l-i-l-y the number four liberty and she came up and asked a question after my talk and she was in China's Red Guard and she accurately and and there was another a Chinese woman there who was talking to me afterwards. They were they both are saying, you know, we're we're looking at this and we're saying this is a cultural revolution. We know what this is. We've seen it before. This is this is just like the Chinese Cultural Revolution. And they're destroying the four olds and they're they're trying to make it about race. They're using critical race theory. They're using social justice. But at the end of the day, they could use anything. That's just what is, happens to be working in the U.S. But this is a cultural revolution. And um, I think she's someone worth checking out and following. I haven't watched a lot of her videos yet, but I plan to. I thought she was really ha- has the kind of experience and the kind of history that we need to be. We need to be hearing from people like her right now. And and her friend also was saying to me, can you explain to me the progress, the white progressives like by, it, by it, in the Bay Area, who, when I tell them, they they want to know what it was like in China, and I tell them as a Chinese woman, and then they want to write me off and not listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, I, I don't, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't explain it, actually, because they don't actually believe what they say when they say, listen to elevate women of color's voices. They, they mean only if they agree with social justice ideology. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, follow Libby, Lily for Liberty. Yeah, she was great, and that that could be a longer discussion. Was what I mean, I'd like to have her on the show sometime, which I think she's open open to do. By the way, you didn't see this, but she was at Dave Smith's show, and she was awesome because she stood up and in kind of like a 
stereotypical old Chinese lady. Like I almost felt like she was waving a rolling pin or something at him. Mm-hmm. She got up and she was like, this is the same as I was a red guard. Well, this is the same. What are you doing? You're Stop Korean. this. Like she was like, and Dave's like, I'm doing my best. Or like, she was, she was like, like, then Dave Stop said afterward this. too, he's yeah. like, will you be my dictator? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was, she was great. She was great. She was one of my favorite things, but I, my, my, you, you touched on my favorite thing. My favorite thing was, uh, I, this is going to sound so woke. It was the diversity, but it, like I, I mean that in the sense of like both ends of the bell curve were there. Like of any any trait you can pick, both ends of the bell curve were there representing that trait. So um, it was this kind of it, it wasn't like going to a libertarian political action conference where it's all the guys who just want to bitch about politics all day and blah, blah, blah. It was like there were plenty of people there who probably never saw talked about politics at all. They were there to smoke weed and hang out or, you know, work on like there were gun classes or fire starting classes or, you know, talking about food or just, it was just got people playing kickball and hula hooping and kids running around. It was just solving murder mysteries. Yeah. Solving murder mysteries. It was, yeah. So it was, what did she fail to solve? I was murdered. Oh, you were murdered. Yeah. Oh, I was hoping that you would be the culprit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I liked most about it. It was just this kind of cool community of people hanging out. Well, so. that's what, because uh, Todd and I have been to like Gen Con and C2E2, all the nerd conventions. And this is really just a nerd convention for liberty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like, so for me, I guess the nerd spectrum was not represented well. We were, they were all nerds. No, I mean, Offended. I mean, not the spectrum. They were all nerds. It's a yeah. little bit like there weren't a, bit, a lot little of cool bit like people. the feeling you get at Comic Con. It's like all different kinds of He's weird, yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, and I like that. I love that. Yeah, where yeah. people just feel free to, like I said, to be themselves and costumed and, people. Yeah, there are yeah. there were costumed people. Yeah. Plenty yeah. of costumed people. There was a guy. I don't know if you saw this. There was a guy walking around dressed as Gandhi. Um, yeah. he, the the crypto six dude, yeah, no. yeah. We we sh- we don't have time because we gotta leave, so we should. But um, Carrie, do you want to do an outro and 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 a goodbye? Oh, if this is your first time watching us, you are probably watching this on the Unsafe Space Clips channel because we're currently banned for two weeks from our regular channel. If you're not watching it on the Clips channel, if it's later and this is now on our regular channel. Why don't you follow the Clips channel so that you are in case we get blocked? Odyssey and BitChute are, yeah. are also an Odyssey and BitChute, and we have a locals that we're going to start using and just unsafespace.com. <laughs> and you can also go to unsafespace.com yeah. and go to and you can find out how to support us. We have a donate page if you want to support us financially with lots of different options. We have a shop if you want to buy merchandise like this T-shirt's going to be on sale soon, and we also have a book club which is free to join and participate in. We're currently reading Catch Twenty Two. If you want to be part of book club, go to unsafespace.com and cl- check out the book club page for more details and uh and extras content and stuff too so we're gonna have more extras content of of this and well, we do uh, yeah we do actually have some extras content on the website that i keep not telling people yeah about. that's why i'm saying uh, it now thank you beverly <laughs> yeah but there is a section if you are a subscriber if you're a like donator you donate and and monetarily support us uh there's a section for supporters with right now it's got like some kind of like outtakes post interview stuff we're going to start putting more stuff in there and that's directly on the website it's not anywhere else it is password protected and if you're in the supporter discord you know the password and if you're not go into the supporter discord uh, or if you really really can't handle discord email beverly 
Yeah. And she'll let you in. And All right. I'll give you the link to Discord. So Nice. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. You have to say, how do you buy, y'all? No. Hell no, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators will report to the Enrichment Center immediately to receive a surprise. I am disappointed that you are still watching. I have made a note of this failure in your record. Experts agree that critical race theory is not a deadly neurotoxin. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>